so we could probably sit just for 30 minutes and I could just let's just generate a yellow pad uh, full of questions about your customers, right? Because that's what we're in business to, to, to start with. We're in business to start by serving the customer. So when I took over the Amazon detail page, I'm like how many, how long do people typically spend on a page? How many words are on the page and how many are actually consumed by customers? How much do people actually look at? How does that differ if you're prime or non-prime? By being able to put some of those answers behind that, uh, we could make much better choices to increase the, to make it easier for people to push that buy button. Stefan Haney brings together the tech world and the business world. He excels at organizing teams, focusing on customers, and delivering results. But he does it with a surprising level of attention to detail. After many years at Amazon, he's now using his experience to acquire, consult, and grow e-commerce businesses. His stories and experience in that industry were the focus of our conversation on this episode. Welcome to Work is Good, a CSM podcast where we aim to help people enjoy and excel at their work. We typically publish two episodes each week. The first is a conversation more directly tied to the title and thesis of our show. The second episode of the week features a conversation about branding and marketing. We also try to fit in a quick conversation about mortgage and real estate. My name is Landon Buto, and I host this show with my dad, Chris Buto, the owner and president at CSM. Please enjoy this episode. I'm going to go ahead and let you just take it away with who you are and what you're doing right now, um, and then we can work back from there. But yeah, just give us a 30,000-foot level picture of what you're doing right now. Uh, yeah, I wish I knew what I was doing right now because everything, <laughs> everything just snow globe changed uh, at, at the uh, the beginning of the year here. So, uh, you know, I uh, have short, short backstory. Um, I've been doing consulting projects uh, with companies who uh, are in e-commerce, uh, often either selling on Amazon or selling in other e-commerce marketplaces around the world. Um, I uh, work uh, quite a bit with a company called emag.ro, which is uh, the Amazon of Romania, go shop everything, and uh, also work with a variety of other Eastern European e-commerce companies. It just seems to be uh, where I've where I've had some contacts, uh, talked to some people in Dubai as well. So e-commerce anywhere. Uh, I help companies figure out and, and find a strategy to sell more online and to connect with their customers. Uh, for the last two years, I've also had a startup. So not only do I consult and advise, but uh, I started a company with some uh, other colleagues called Foundry. And Foundry was a e-commerce brand portfolio company. So we bought uh, nine different e-commerce brands, uh, went through a lot of selection. So I learned a lot about private equity, did a lot of diligence, uh, learned how to evaluate whether a company is a good company to buy or does it fit your acquisition criteria. So we bought nine, but we evaluated probably 1400. Uh, then uh, of those nine, uh, last year we had we had, had them most of the year last year. Uh, we operated and grew them. So uh, it's been an interesting time for brand portfolio companies, foundry brands, all nine brands uh, uh, grew in revenue, or all the brands grew in revenue, uh, small exception of one uh, that we're, we're making some changes to, and also grew in profit. So uh, it was a, a great thing. Uh, about a week ago, I separated from Foundry, and uh, they're going to make some pivots. I still have uh, still an owner, but I've taken that off my day-to-day -day plate. Hmm. Gotcha. So looking at okay. 2023 and and uh, seeing seeing what what do I want to do next? Uh, do I yeah. want to add more consulting and uh, add more consulting clients, or or do I want to go uh, uh, see if we we drive building another business? So. 
Yeah, so two two questions popping in mind real quick. One, real quick. Uh, so what are you operating under a, a company name right now, or are you mostly then, if you're not with Foundry, are you just a private consultant right now? Yeah. Well, let me let me back up a little bit, Landon, and this this would be a better better snippet anyway. So uh, just a little bit of, of career background. Uh, I often talk yeah. with uh, new to new to business, uh, uh, um, new to business people uh, just gotten out of college and they're starting to figure out early 20 somethings or I, I work with uh, uh, college students on a regular basis. I coach uh, undergraduate business team at Washington State. I have done class uh, class instruction at, at Gonzaga or Western Michigan or Babson. Uh, and when I, I work with those 20 somethings, um, I often share my career path. So. I graduated from Western Michigan University with a degree in marketing and German history for about five years. Uh, mm-hmm. And those first those first five to ten years in your career, you're really putting a lot of gas in the tank to set the trajectory for the different options your career can go. And I often say, look, take on as much responsibility as people will give you. At Accenture, I got an amazing set of responsibility in my early 20s. Uh, shocked and surprised at how much responsibility they give a 22, 23-year-old. Uh, but in comparison, you know, the military gives a lot of responsibility too. It's another way to get responsibility. Uh, and then also meet as many people and build as many business relationships as you can. Uh, and that's so also both with Accenture because a lot of people come through. Uh, and then at Amazon, you know, just a great chance so to meet people and build relationships. So in your early 20s, you know, it's just a really great time to take as much responsibility, practice, because uh, you have uh, in your early 20s, particularly, or even in your mid 20s, uh, you're one of the richest people in the world with regards to the asset of risk. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you probably don't have that many liabilities. You don't have a house payment. You probably don't have five kids. Um, you may or may not have a, a spouse. And so, you know, it's a great time to try things uh, because mm-hmm. you have such a big asset of risk. Uh, yeah. Worst case, maybe your parents will let you move back in the basement, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and until you kind of rebuild the next little like investment or risk. Um your body's as healthy as it probably will ever be in its life. Uh, you can work long. Um, you're sharp. So it's a great time to, to just take on as much as you can. Uh, so I worked at Accenture, worked uh, medium hours, and then um, did some independent consulting, worked at a dot-com startup, and then came to Amazon uh, uh, as I was coming into my 30s and worked for 16 years at Amazon. Well, that was 2003 to 2019. So you got to reset. In 2003, there's roughly 2,500 employees at Amazon. Uh, It was mostly a books company. Uh, Kindle didn't exist. AWS didn't exist. This whole seller marketplace was barely a twinkle. So I got to be part of a really big ride. And I've always loved learning, right? Wherever I can go to learn and figure things out. Uh, as I came, uh, my time at Amazon, I worked in supply chain, and so it was how I owned the systems for placing purchase orders, uh, all the purchase orders for the things that Amazon was selling. So as Amazon was going from four product lines to 40, uh, you have to make all the changes to the software. Cutting purchase orders for diamonds or DVD is different than DVDs versus diapers versus drills. Uh, so all those changes scaling out. And then also, how do you build software in a way that you don't have to hire lots and lots of people. And so I you know, think a lot, a lot of people get company software wrong um, or they, they accidentally do it in a way that computers spit out tasks for humans to do uh, rather than 
uh, humans setting parameters and letting computers do the tasks. Because what you want is computers doing tasks. Otherwise, you end up with Lucy at the Chocolate Factory and I Love Lucy, where you can't keep up, right? Uh, and so that was a big thing I learned in that chunk. I then joined the Marketplace team at Amazon 2009 and helped build uh, Amazon third-party selling. Uh, at the time in 2009, it was smaller than eBay. Obviously, it's much larger now. It grew faster than the Amazon business grew. And I got was to work that in part business. of the was that part of the vision up front with Amazon was eventually will work to kind of kind of something like this or was it just there's an opportunity here let's shift. Um, Amazon always starts with what's true and what's in and what's good for the customer. So it's good for the customer is how can I give the customers more choices right uh, and more choices at the time it felt like a really big decision reviews like should we let customers put reviews on a on a page mm. felt like a big decision <laughs> wow and and some of these become they're courageous decisions and you have to think about unintended consequences but amazon third-party selling i can't read the mind of jeff i don't i don't know but uh that was a very early stage decision uh, and yeah. it definitely was you know how do how do we how do we make that happen but I got to be yeah. part of that from 2009 to 2016. And that, you know, looking backwards, uh, Jim Collins' Good to Great is a fantastic book, uh, describes some eras. I got to be part of a good to great kind of story because 2009, uh, third-party selling is roughly 25%, give or take, of Amazon's total business. Now it's well over 55% of Amazon's total business. And Amazon's gone from being a $20 billion revenue company to $400 billion revenue company, right? So hired lots of people. Build, grow a big business, just crazy growth. Um, but then I finished my time at Amazon working in uh, how people shop. So I was responsible for everything on the Amazon product pages. Uh, so the page after you click on search and you go, now you're looking at your thing and you click that magic buy button. Uh, my team was responsible for making it easier for you to shop. And whether it was couches, clothes, books we had down pretty well. Uh, but you shop a little differently for clothes and couches and drills uh, than you might do for a book. So taking that 16 years of helping a company grow, taking that 16 years of working in inventory supply chain and at the building business software, looking at financials, uh, being able to look at a P&L to an API, uh, and then also your staffing uh, for people development. Those three things I had some pretty deep experience in. So I started a company called Vantage International. And Vantage is my consulting company. Um, I build teams and we'll do usually about a half a dozen projects. Uh, the last three years, I've had the privilege of doing about a half a dozen projects for different clients. And I usually build contractor teams of other experts, often ex-Amazon uh, or other companies, to come in and help a company build a strategy, do an e-commerce initiative uh, where we can show them and model how we would do it give them a benchmark to how they're performing compared to how best in class often how we think about Amazon's performing uh, and so that's my my company when I started Foundry two years ago I split my time so I never uh, turned off Vantage I just dialed down how many teams mm -hmm. and how many uh, how many uh, projects uh, that we did for the last two years makes sense yeah um so a lot and, of story uh, there. I'll, I'll pause. Yeah, yeah. And... Real quick, I am curious about you mentioned the fourteen hundred evaluations in in determining to buy. What was it? Nine companies. Yeah. Um, what qualifies as an evaluation? There is it just like uh, that that meets three criteria. Let's include it in the list and then quickly check it off. Or like, how long did that take 
Well, it's about a year and a half worth of work, uh, okay. right? So as as we do merge as we do acquisitions or evaluate potential acquisitions of of brands or companies first off we need to let's back up um the amazon third party businesses let's just say a, a 200 you know 200 billion dollar uh, revenue ecosystem from about 2 million sellers uh worldwide and about 2 years ago a number of finance type people uh wall street type firms you know merchant acquisition private equity uh, realize that you could there's an art potential arbitrage opportunity but there's a large economic segment uh, and so a number of these companies put money together to probably about 120 different businesses startup businesses to buy amazon third-party sellers and put them into portfolio uh, building an aggregator or an aggregator model is a pretty common uh, finance approach to, to starting a company doing a roll-up of some sort uh, where you can buy these pieces and put them together and make a more valuable whole because uh, of efficiencies or uh, whatever else the case may be. Anyway, so aggregator model, uh, a bunch of companies pour money in, and then the acquisition criteria for each of these aggregators is all a little different, right? So yeah. you're looking at a, a potential pool of up to 2 million-ish, give or take, sellers uh, on Amazon, plus Shopify or whatever else, 2 million potential businesses to buy. We wanted to filter businesses that met our criteria. So we looked for businesses that were of a certain size. Um, we, you know, fish in the sea, smaller fish. We want to see, uh, since we, we, we both cut costs, but also added some costs. We also right. want to see growth, right? What was the growth history? We also wanted to buy brands. A seller is not equal to a brand. Uh, and so we, over time, those are three of the biggest things we looked at. You know, what's the right size company to buy? Uh, what's the growth rate of that company? And is it what's driving the growth rate? What's a brand? And then operating on Amazon, there's also a question of risk. So there's uh, you know, the ability to operate a business on Amazon. You have to deliver fast. You have to uh, handle customer concerns, uh, sometimes customer complaints. So we always looked at, at the risk of a business for their operations. And then we had some other things. Uh, we chose to build our brand uh, our brand portfolio in a couple verticals. So we we also were looking for uh, home accessories and uh, personal care and right. uh, RV outdoors. Mm. So that was some of our other filter. So that you know thousand plus, some of them are very quick and easy. Yeah. They're not the right size. They're not growing, um, or some would get more scrutiny. Uh, and we would use a lot of. There's actually quite a bit of publicly accessible information uh, about uh, you know. So here's a fun religious question like what is a brand it's like well what's a brand yeah uh and just because well, it has a name a logo does that make it a brand yeah um, what 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 are your thoughts love to well, love to hear your answer there yeah so uh religious question, what's a brand right you know uh and so a brand on amazon or a consumer product brand because we can get into you know esoterics or real simple you know i think um you know, I have some fun conversations with my friend Darren Doan about what's a brand. He's a brand builder, right? And a brand is the description. He would say something like, you know, it's a description of the relationship uh, of what an entity delivers to you, right? So, um, you know, now I think it's a lot like I'll buy, you know, I have a brand. Um, I have a Shinola watch and Shinola is a brand out of Detroit. And uh, there's actually, especially if you're old like me with gray hair, you know, there's a kind of an older saying about Shinola that, you know, is maybe a little more unsavory, but, you know, they're they're very gritty. Right. And 
you know, I like the attributes, you know, of what they're doing. You know, the product they make, Filson, right? You know, Filson's a great Seattle brand where you guys are, you know, and, and Filson has always said they don't do models, right? They go look for real people on the construction site, on the fishing boat, using their stuff, right? That's uh, uh, they don't they don't get people to model it. So, you know, those things attract me. Those are brand attributes, et cetera. But how do you measure that? So we would look for a couple of very simple things. Um, we would look at, do people actually search for it, right? Do people search for this name or did they search for rubber spatula and, you know, where's good rubber spatula kept coming up, but nobody ever searched for where's good. They were just looking for a rubber spatula, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so we bought a brand called Brute Magnetics and Brute Magnetics is a, uh, believe it or not, there's a thing called magnetic fishing, which is not going after fish. It's uh, metal detecting in water, kind of treasure hunting. Uh, it's a thing. And so we would also look at search. So when we looked at searches, we looked at searches on Amazon, searches on Google, searches on Instagram, searches on Facebook. All right. We'd look for how many people are connected to this particular name. Right. And then we would look at, re, you know, things like uh, repurchase rate. You know, are people buying again? And is is it an is it a single item or is that are those purchases spread out across multiple items? Right. Uh, there's a, a game, um, Exploding Kittens, right? And it's basically like one product, right? Well, is Exploding Kittens a brand or is it one product, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so we we tended toward things that uh, would, would be extendable and would have multiple yeah. products. So that was our answer. We looked at, yeah. you know, what, what do people, and the kind of price is right. Survey says, what do the people say, Bob? That yeah. was, that was our, that was our what's a brand test. There you go. Yeah, that's great. Helpful answer. Thank you. Dad, any any questions real quick before I move on? No, keep moving. Okay. Um, yeah, I would I would love to hear so you know, with a, a picture of kind of what your world is and, and what you're doing, um, and a little bit of the uh a little bit of the day today for you. Um, I'd love to hear within that what is there anything that stands out in your mind as a as something that helps you or your company um, set yourself apart? So if I take the question of, you know, what's a bit of my day to day and and where do I lead? You know, where do I lead and what I'm looking to do? So leader, founder and leader as the principal of Vantage Consulting or Vantage International, right? I'm I'm building teams to work with clients to drive innovation and customer focus in their e-commerce. Couple things, you know, that are, I just take for granted, but you don't know always the water that you swim in, right? Start with the customer. And it's amazing, let's just ask the basic facts. Can we get to basic facts? How many customers do you have? What do you know about your customers? When's the last time you've talked to your customers? Are those the customers you want to have? Uh, or those the customers you have today? What of those customers are actually driving your business, right? So we could probably sit just for 30 minutes and I could just, let's just generate a yellow pad uh, full of questions about your customers, right? Because that's what we're in business to, to, to start with. We're in business to start by serving the customer. So when I took over the Amazon detail page, I'm like how many, how long do people typically spend on a page? How many words are on the page and how many are actually consumed by customers? Uh, Amazon detail pages have this like infinite scroll. They just go on and on. It's one long page. How much do people actually look at? 
how does that differ if you're prime or non-prime, right? And by being able to put some of those answers behind that, uh, we could make much better choices to increase the, to make it easier for people to push that buy button, right? We were able to help them in that virtual store, set up the store for them. But it still comes back to start with the customer. A lot of people will say they're customer focused and they'll say they're data focused. But a couple clicks or a couple questions uh, start to reveal that actually there's more that we don't know. So it reminded me of a story of how what's the bar you need to set? So for when you say you know something, I know it, right? What's the what's the standard? We were meeting and we were making a pretty big decision about what data to display on the detail page. And the senior vice president said, well, how do you know that this analysis is correct, that this rate of listing defects uh, that you're telling me is accurate? And we're looking at him and we just pause a minute in our answer because the source of our data had been um, the source of our data had been the Amazon data warehouse. It's like, can we not trust the Amazon data warehouse? He's like, for a decision of this magnitude, I would expect you would audit, double check. How do you know that that data is right? Because the data warehouse is actually collected data. It's not the actual source. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a bunch of different data stores pulled into one. And sure enough, he was right. When we audited it, we found enough variants that slightly changed our recommendation, right? So, you know, that just stuck with me as how do you know uh, that this is what your customers think? How do you know like, on, on important decisions and special ones about customers? Make informed decisions. Have a right. high standard for what's, you know, for what no is. Hmm. Uh, the other question that, you know, I would say, so, so one principle is having a high standard of, for, for what you claim is fact. You know, so gather your basic facts, especially about your customers, and do it at the macro and the anecdote level. So when I would run my team meetings, I would often ask my product managers, my software managers, uh, tell me uh, in the, uh, I was working at owning Amazon Seller Central and all the seller tools. I'm like, tell me about a seller. And I would expect them to be able to tell me the seller's business, the business size, where they're located, how they got started selling on Amazon, what their best selling products were, what their pain points were, uh, regardless of their role. Because we're all there to sell customers, not just the customer service person, not just the, you know, even a software engineer should know what are they building for whom, uh, yeah. with what impact. And just taking that with, you know, just being pushed. So be customer focused, have a really high bar for what no is. Uh, and then, you know, I think, you know, stay curious to, to what could be and what's your method of evaluation. So, you know, I'm working with a client, uh, I'm going to say, great, for are you world class or are you judging yourself by the local standards? Right? If you want to be excellent, excellent to what standard? So you may, especially, and this is really important for as you get kind of more senior in your career, you can say, who am I learning from, right? Who am I talking to that's challenging me, right? I'm the prince of right. my business. Uh, or, well, I'm the best in the area, right? Uh, well, there's always somebody better. Like, how do you how do you keep driving continuous improvement in a pursuit of excellence? And so, you know, really pushing. I guess it's a, a slightly different variation of, you know, how do you know? Uh, yeah, but sure. uh, you know, judge yourself, you know, by the standards your customers use. And so that exposes something in in Romania, for example. Uh, they're they're feeling pretty good because their brand was good. And and I'm like, well, how many of your customers are buying from an Amazon site? 
And like, well, we don't know. I'm like, well, let's let's see if we can let's see if we can find some direction of an answer. There's a long way between we don't know at all to we know exactly, right? Let's see if we can get something in between. And sure enough, we found you know nearly a double digit percent of online customers of their website had also made a purchase on Amazon in the last year. I'm like, so we should probably judge ourselves. Uh, there's things that Amazon are doing that is better uh, or more customer focused. What did our customers like uh, about that? So uh, Landon, there's books written about the Amazon style and Amazon, you know, working backwards by by uh, Colin and, and a, a gentleman named Colin and another gentleman named Bill Carr. It's one of my favorites. Uh, there's a lot of things you just start to do. That customer yeah. focus, that standard, you know, uh, being curious, continuous in, in improvement. Um, over your career, you just build up those things. And that's part of what I take advantage is how to bring some of those practices. Uh, so we delight yeah. customers, build teams, and drive innovation is what Vantage does. So hey, you're... Yeah, go ahead, Dan. Stephen, why Romania? God put me. It's yeah, <laughs> a good answer. You know, yeah. uh, guys, I don't know if you've looked at the CREC or looked at churches, uh, Christian churches. Why is Romania a donut hole compared to Bulgaria and Hungary and Poland and Ukraine? Great question. Uh, I don't know either. Uh, <laughs> I don't know either. Uh, what I do know, right, I have a German history major, so I studied Germany with the most um, German language, German history with the most language between 1890 and 1950, 1890 and 1950. So take that for you, Will. Yeah. Um, you know, short story long, I remember after my year in Germany on foreign study, I came back and I was struck by how American flags were everywhere. And it contrasted me of like, I couldn't, like, rarely did I see a German flag being flown. And that's starting to get me this, this shame element or this like cultural pieces. Um, all Christians I generally have here, this is ahead of your like Trinity Church uh, man camp or whatever Tyler's calling it. Uh, I would have all Christians right now read Tortured for Christ uh, by Richard Wormbrandt, which talks about the Romanian socialist government's treatment of Christians through uh, the mid 1970s. Um, just, just amazing. I think that plays into why you know, there's a bit of cultural shame about that. Um, mm -hmm. When we take Maeve over there, there's all these people because they have basically isolated all special needs and, and probably aborted them. Um, you know, Romania is, I can go into the history of, it's a wonderful, beautiful place. Uh, we thank Romanians, you thanks for, for a country that's been um, on the edge, literally, since 400, since Decius pushed out the Roman Empire to Romania in 437. They defended against the Turks, right? There's fortified churches uh, they saved our bacon, so we should all thank Romania for that on a regular basis. But uh, so that's where God put me. Um, but now, the, so the professional answer. I'm going to repeat your question, and you know something that's more shareable. Uh, why Romania? Um, so for I had someone reach out on LinkedIn uh, through LinkedIn Connections, uh, who was a, a senior executive at this company, and he was looking for someone that he was connected to on Amazon. Uh, who had uh, Amazon expertise, also in third-party selling with a balance of technology. Um, so that connection was made and we started talking and we saw an opportunity where I could help. That's great. Yeah. Uh, Eastern okay. Europe is an interesting place for e-commerce. Um, it's a developing marketplace. It's kind of in this middle. There's literally you know, uh, tens of millions and hundreds of millions of customers, but it's not quite big enough for Amazon and 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 maybe the uh, some of the other leading uh, marketplaces in the world. 
but there's some great e-commerce uh, companies there. Emag, Allegro, uh, Pigu, a few others just kind of down this, this stripe of commerce. All right, I'll, I'll give you one more question here, specifically on that consumer focus angle. Um, so your your consumers are e-commerce companies, correct? Mm -hmm. You personally? Yes. What are what what does that look like within what you're doing? How are you being consumer focused? What are questions that you're asking um, to focus on your consumers and see what their needs are? So, Landon, you're asking like, how do I focus on cust on my own customers, right, and apply to my right. own customers, right? What what I'm I'm asking them to put apply you, as put well. you on the spot a little bit here. <laughs> Uh, it's not a problem at all. Uh, one is, uh, so one of the things you learn at, at, I learned at Amazon, it's by no means at Amazon, it's a number of things, it's just general, walk the store, right? If you're, when you're in a physical store, you walk the store, right? And you use all your senses physically, you know, how far apart are things, are there messes, do you hear things? You know, you can use all your senses to walk the store. Uh, actually talk to a customer, right? When's the last time you talk to a customer? And in small business, this happens all the time, right? You can do this. In big business, we tend to set up processes and, and we, we start to give ourselves peace. Uh, we start to give ourselves some space from like, oh, well, I'm running this whole thing and I'm looking at a metric, right? Uh, we'll talk to a customer. So at Amazon, we'd go to customer service centers and work there for a day taking customer calls um, or you'd, you'd see things over. So in my business, uh, I spend a part of my time every day actually talking to uh, past clients, potential future clients uh, without expectation. Uh, so I would call this the biblical parable of, of uh, casting seed, right? Uh, maybe I can serve them. Maybe I can bless them. Maybe, maybe it's not the right time, right? But can I ask them what's changing or what's on their mind? Uh, and can I learn something? So can I bless them and can I learn something? So I'll spend a part of my day uh, sending some emails or uh, sending some LinkedIn messages or just simply calling on the phone, uh, past clients, potential clients, or former colleagues uh, who are at different places. Second thing I'll ask is um, often the question uh, is is a uh, is um, a key element. So as we see emerging events or emerging technologies, how can we test if that's something that's a fad or if that's something that's going to persist? Right. So you asked about third-party selling. Was it ever? At the time in the moment, yeah, we didn't know where that, was, where that may have gone, right. right? So unless things are obvious, like customers always prefer lower prices, most likely customers always are going to prefer lower prices, right? All things being equal, right? Probably can count on that, right? But you know, other things are willing to change. So right now, there's a lot of buzz about chat you know, and GPT and AI. Um, I do. So how do we separate fad? And how are we using it? So that's a question I'll ask real-time customers, right? I'll ask them, have you started to experiment and explore with any of the AI solutions out there? And have you found anything that, that helps your business? So yeah. having those customer conversations and then building up, uh, keeping an up-to-date version of basic facts. You know, what is, what is best in class? What do customers think? Um, so that I can give them something and bless them, whether it's either a question or uh, share some, some insight. Yeah. And then I can learn something from them. Are you doing those? You're doing those calls and everything personally? Oh, yeah, uh, I do it personally, but I expect everybody that is on one of my teams to be doing the same. Yeah. That's great.
Well, uh, Stefan, we well, our our thesis on the show is that work is indeed a good thing. It's not a necessary evil. Um, the and it's not just a means to an end. It is a means to an end, but not merely a means to an end. Um, and so, can you frame for us to close just what is it about your work itself that you see as good and valuable, and uh, what is it about about your work that brings you joy? Uh, I love the thesis show. Uh, I have it's what caught my eye early on. Uh, work is a privilege, and we don't always get to work on the things that we love. We don't always get right. to work on the things that uh, line up with what we're good at. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I'm at this position of change. Yeah, maybe I just need to go dig ditches, and uh, or in my case, it's going to be digging irrigation to install a new uh, new <laughs> fix a broken pipe. Uh, but, um, I, you know, what I look at is I mentioned earlier on that, that your stage of life or risk, uh, is, is an opportunity business is, and, and at least the business I'm in, I am stewarding. I'm, I'm practicing, you know, it's biblical term or it's common Bible being a steward, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to be able to take and redistribute resources for the purpose of growth. Uh, one of the things that I was most proud at at Amazon, and I'll tell you about uh, Romania again as well, is the opportunity to create jobs and to create right. businesses. When I work in the Amazon marketplace or I work in third party marketplaces, I'm helping other businesses grow. That creates jobs. That creates the ability for people to provide for others and people provide for their family. Right. So at my best, um, if I can help create businesses of any kind, and e-commerce is just a tool where um, that I have experience in to help people create businesses, that's creating abundance and it's stewarding resources for people to be able to provide for others, provide for families, uh, provide for needs. That yeah, I can go I can go to sleep at night going, how did I help create abundance for people to provide for themselves and for people to provide? Uh, for others. I, I love that topic. You know, here in Idaho, we talk a lot about, um, you know, the, the settlers of Idaho didn't come and go, uh, you know, can I find a job? Right. They're like, what's the work that's in front of me and how do I create it? I took a different, you know, I, I had this this thing I learned at Amazon about God's providence a little bit. People often go, what's God's will for me? What's God's will? Should I do this? Should I do that? And uh, I love Kevin Young books. Like, Just do something. Because uh, right. we tend to overthink that God has a particular script for our life versus this interests me. I have the opportunity to do it. Lord, I'm going to go do this unless you say no. Right? So many business programs we we had at Amazon. I was like, hey, we want to help third party marketplace sellers grow. Do you have ideas on what will help them grow, have lower, more competitive prices, uh, be more cost efficient? Great. Make a proposal, say, we're going to do this unless you say no, right? <laughs> and so in the world of work, like I just get excited about making it easier for people to start a business, try something, but start from the customer, right? You're not serving mm-hmm. yourself. You're right. serving. Right. Can I bless bless customers and bless the community? Right. Um, take it from there. Yeah, so. that's great. Thanks for listening to Work is Good. If you enjoyed it, Share it, leave a review, and listen next week.